Let's look at the, the doctrine of sin. Father, thanks so much for this day. You've granted a gorgeous day out. And uh, now teach us in this hour together that we may learn and understand what you would have us to know. Thank you so much for bringing us together here safe in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to talk about today the doctrine of sin, martyology. We've been talking about man. And one of the things you're going to find now as we do this topic here and then the next topic being the doctrine of salvation, you're going to start seeing some overlap in some of the things that we've talked about already because, you know, for, ex- for example, when you talk about theodicy, the origin of sin, why did God allow sin, you're going to impinge on this doctrine. So there are various doctrines here that begin to, some, some topics that begin to overlap. So if you've heard some of this stuff before, just take it as a little review. Um, but that's what you're going to find, especially as we get into the doctrine of salvation. Um, you're going to see a lot of overlap, with, or not overlap, but some overlap with what we've already discussed. Hamartiology comes from hamarta, hamartos, which is sin. So it's the doctrine of sin. What is sin? Let me ask, you know, before I, before I go on, if somebody came up to you and said, uh, what is sin? Define sin for me. Anybody have any idea what they would say? Anything that doesn't please God. Huh? Disobeying God. So yeah, doesn't please God, doesn't disobey God. Oh, I'm sorry. Anything short of His perfection. Missing the mark. That's what hamartia means, to miss the mark. It's like shooting an arrow and you drop short. You miss the mark. Following the falling of mankind. The falling of mankind. Yeah, sin. I mean, quite honestly, everything we've heard so far, there's elements of truth to all of that. I mean, sin is missing the mark. Sin is failing to meet the perfection of God. Sin is doing something that doesn't please God. Sin is disobedience. Um, but I think one of the things, and you know, this is one of the... Um, ahas that hit you once in a while in life, you know. Whereas you're studying the Bible and all of a sudden one day it's like, oh gee, I never saw that before. That makes sense. Is um, a lot of times we define sin in terms of its negative component, right? Sin is disobedience. Sin is not obeying God. Um, Sin is not pleasing God as though i got to spend my entire life making God happy because he's going to beat me with a board if I don't make him happy. Um, we see it in terms of its negative component. And we fail to see sin as what it really is, I think, which is a violation of our relationship with God. Um, if you look at all the... And I went through my theology books at home and, and brought this stuff together. Augustus Strong, who wrote the Strong's Concordance, if you remember that, he's a theologian. He wrote a systematic theology um, he said, sin is the lack of conformity to the moral law of God, either in act, disposition, or state. Okay? So, when you see that, let's, let's think about that a minute. It is um, a lack of conformity to the moral law of God. Alright? What, what is implied in that statement, moral law of God? What's implied in that? When you think of the moral law of God, what's implied? What, what do you think of? He has a standard. So, somewhere in eternity past, God came up with a list of things or a standard, right? A list of laws. 
all right, that you had to adhere to, all right, a legal code, so to speak. When I see law, I think of legal code, don't you? I think of laws. I think there's a code out there. And, and although there, there's truthfulness to this, for example, the moral law of God says, thou shalt not kill. All right? Well, that's true, but what did Christ say? You're not allowed to hate either. And he said, killing is not just something you already stick a knife in a guy's back. Sin, killing is if you hate somebody, if you curse them, you're, you're, you're murdering them. And so when I see this, I say, yeah, that, that's, that's right. It's a lack of conformity to the moral law of God. But what that does, it says there's some kind of law, some kind of legal code out there that I've got to, to adhere to. I don't know if I'm even explaining myself well. All right, I think you're going to see this as we get on down the road here a little bit better. It's, it's I got a legal code. There's, there's a code. And the Puritans were very good at this. I mean, they had all kinds of stuff. And, and by the way, the Pharisees were very good at this too, weren't they? I mean, they had a legal code that went an arm long. Um, it's interesting. I went out yesterday to order some photographic stuff for my upcoming vacation and the website says we don't take orders until 9.45 Saturday evening. This is a national photographic online reseller. So, any guess what they were? Huh? No? Jewish. Got to wait till sundown before you can take orders. Got to wait for the sun to go over the right. Now we can do it. Now it's okay. We're free now. Um, and unfortunately, as, as I'm growing up, and I remember growing up in the church, I always saw sin as this impossible standard that I tried to keep, and I couldn't do it. And what I found is when I went from church to church, the standard kept changing. You notice that, right? And even from pastor to pastor, the standard changed, didn't it? Um, I remember when I first came here, um, it was verboten to go see a movie. That was sin. And Don Ingram would beat you with a board if he caught you going to a movie with sin. That was sinful. But now, you could go rent the movie in the video store, which I saw Daryl Farney do. All right. I saw Daryl Farney going to the video store. He could rent the video, but he couldn't go to the movie theater and see it. And then Don Ingram left and David Walls came. Now it's okay to go to see a movie. Well, what changed? I mean, when I looked at this, and, and when, you, when you see sin as just, as just, as only, the only component of sin is just violating some legal code out there, you're struggling to find out, well, what is the code that i got to follow? All right? And, and although there are some commands in Scripture that are very clear, right? Not supposed to kill. Others are a little bit fuzzy. Are you allowed to play cards? Why you not have to go to a certain school in America called Bob Jones? You're not allowed to do that. Now, you can play Rook because they don't have kings and queens and jacks in it because the cards are changed. It's the same thing. It's just different faces on the card. That's okay. But you're not allowed to play card cards. At least it was when I was looking at the school. All right? There's also a six-inch rule there which said that if you're dating your girlfriend there, you had to stay at least six inches apart or you get demerits. All right? So... And they actually had a ruler that they walk around and make sure you're at least six inches apart. Um, yeah, the, the, the problem... The, 
although, although there's an element of truthfulness to this, it's not the whole story, is it? Because what it does then is it makes you fall in the trap of arguing, well, what is it that God wants? And although God has been very clear on some things, there are other things that are fuzzy. And you're not quite sure whether, can, can I do that or, or, or not? How about keeping the Sabbath day? I mean, now the Israelites were to keep the Sabbath, right? Well, what is the Sabbath? Saturday. Well, why do we keep it on Sunday? But what gives us the right to do that? What allows us to change that? Yeah, but now, now you get into that whole question. Well, what gives me the right to set aside the Sabbath for a Sunday? Right, and, and because what had happened, of course, is the Pharisees had totally fouled up what the original meaning of the Sabbath was, right? They said the Sabbath, or man was made for the Sabbath, not the Sabbath for man. The Sabbath was a day of rest, and they had totally fouled that up, all right? But the, what I'm, with the point here I'm trying to make is when you start seeing sin as only the violation of the legal code, then all of a sudden you've got to argue about, well, what is the code? And how do I know whether I'm sinning or not? And I can go to one place and one spot and they say, that's a sin. I can go to another place and say, well, that's free. Don't worry about it. You know, that's not sin. Well, where's the standard? Where's the standard? And although some things we can certainly say, this is definitely outside of God's um, standard. There are other things that are very tough to pull off. It's very hard to, to determine, well, is that a sin or not? Yeah. How dare you standard the? How, how dare you question the standard? How dare you question the standard? Um, so even though Augustus Strong, I think he has some truthfulness here. It is the violation of the moral law of God. The question then becomes: well, What is the moral law of God? There are some things that are very clear, right? There are things that aren't so clear. They're not, they're not quite as clear as they, as we would like them to should be. The gray areas, for example. The gray areas. Now, you know, if you go down to the deep south, mixed bathing is verboten. If you go out to California, it's fine because everybody goes to the beach. Depends on where you're at. It depends on the location um, in the country you're at. And you can move from one place to another and certain things are sinful in one place and are not sinful in another place. There are churches you go into where it's sinful for you. All you women who are not wearing a skirt, you're living in sin. All you women, in fact, who cut your hair are living in sin. You're not supposed to cut your hair. Because you're violating the moral law of God if you cut your hair. I mean, that's silly. Okay, So, that's the problem. When you start seeing sin as only legal code, the question is, which legal code do I have? Do I have the right legal code? Maybe... um, I don't have the exact legal code and I'm sinning and I don't know I'm sinning. Is it a sin to listen to certain kinds of music? Well, it depends on where you go. It can be sinful. Hodge, who's another theologian, said sin is a transgression of or want of conformity to the divine law. Sort of the same kind of thing. Well, what is the divine law? What is that? And again, there are certain 
things in the Bible we know specifically are laws of God, but there's a lot of fuzzy gray areas. Is it okay to smoke a cigarette? Well, some people say, no, that's wrong. Not allowed to do that. Not allowed to smoke a cigarette. Where does it say that in the Bible? It doesn't. Um, but it says you're supposed to take care of the temple of the body of Christ. Yeah, that's, that's good. But the same person that is preaching against the evils of smoking is 400 pounds overweight. What's worse? What's worse? See, we pick... The point is, here's the point, folks. This, and I'm not trying to pick on any particular sin or anything like that. But the point is, we're very good at picking those kinds of things out that we want to pick out and leaving other things alone. All right? You've got to watch that. Um, so when you start making it a legal code, you're still stuck in this trap of, well, what is the legal code? What is it that I'm allowed to do? Um, sin is anything that robs God of his glory and man of his good. Wilmington wrote this. He's a theologian worked down at Liberty University. And um, robs God of his glory. What does it mean to glorify God? We talked about this, right? What does it mean to glorify God? What do you display? His character. Now, this is pretty close, I think. This is, this is getting a little closer to some things. Sin is anything that robs God of his glory. Sin is anything that makes God look bad, Right? Because God is perfect, and if we make God look bad, that is sin. Yeah. His glory and man of man's good. Because God wants the good for us, right? God wants the ultimate good for us. And really, what was the what was the sin that um, the devil tricked Eve into doing? God's not good. God's holding back on you. See, God's jealous. He doesn't want you to be like Him. And He knows if you eat that tree, you're going to be like Him. And He doesn't want that. He's jealous. He's holding out on you. He doesn't have your best interest at heart. And He bought it. He bought it. So that's, uh, that's, that's getting a little, a little closer. But, but again, in all of these, there's this, this underlying current of a code, a, a set of rules. And those, those some, although some of those rules do not change over time. Other rules have changed over time. If I took any one of you women and put you in a, a time machine and sent you back to Jonathan Edwards' church, they would freak out at the way you're dressed. They would absolutely freak. Alright? Now... You know, this is our style now, but you go into a time machine and you go back in time and all of a sudden, they would think you're half naked. It was cultural. It was cultural, but people saw it as a sinful thing. Right. Yeah. Right. It's a trickle down. But the point is this. If, it is, if it's a violation of the moral law of God and sin, right? Does sin change its definition over time? No, if God has an eternal moral law, that's good for all time, right? 
So if it's a sin in the 17th century, it's a sin in the 20th century. Right? To some extent, yes. And that's why, that's why when you start looking at trying to come up with an absolute moral code, say, I got the code, I got it, I know what God wants, I know what makes Him happy. A hundred years from now, it's different. Do you follow what I'm trying to say? Follow, you follow what's going on here? And if God wants you, and here's the point, if God really wants you to obey His moral law, He's going to be pretty clear about that, right? It's not going to be something fuzzy that you've got to, oh man, you know, do I do this? Do I do? That's what the Pharisees did all day long, the scribes. They argued all day long about, is it a sin to write six letters on the Sabbath or seven? I'm not making that up, by the way. That's true. They had, if you were a scribe, you had a prescribed number of letters you could write before it became a sin on a Sabbath day. I mean, it's that kind of silliness that they had devolved into because they were trying to seek out and see sin as only the violation of some kind of legal code out there. And see, they had had it figured out. And see, when Christ came along and said, no, you got the wrong code, their, their, their brain imploded saying, we're not, we know we can't be wrong, so you've got to be wrong. You've got to be of the devil. There's no way we're wrong. We've got the Sabbath figured out, and if you come, your disciples go through the grain fields and you know, take the grains off the ears of corn, you're threshing, that's a sin, and you're in violation of the law, and you're a sinner. That's how they, that's how they viewed it. And notice, this is fun, this is fun. Go through, go through the New Testament, read through the Gospels, and find out all the times that Christ had big fights with the Pharisees, and you'll find that 99% of them had to do with the Sabbath. He healed on the Sabbath. He's not allowed to do that. Well, why not? You take your donkey out of a hole on the Sabbath. What do you mean I can't heal on the Sabbath? Where'd you come up with that? They came up with it. See, they came up with a code. And, and by the way, humanity, humans, we're very good at that. Because, see, we don't want to think, don't we? We want to say, just give me, just give me the rules. I can do that. I can, do, I can keep a rule. Or give me rules that I can keep. That's the better one, you know. <laughs> Let's come now. Don't come up with these rules I can't keep. Let's keep make rules I can keep, and uh, we're very good at that. But that's yeah. Say to you that recently when I was in Italy, um, they still when you go outside the United States, there are definitely different codes. Mm-hmm. Um, Rome, the uh, nuns still wear the habit, and if you go in to around to any of the churches, you must wear a sleeve. You cannot go bare shoulder and your knees must be covered for the women or else you are not going into their sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, what you've, what you've done here, look, look, what, look what, what has happened. What if we reduce God when we start thinking like this? What if we reduce God to? Yeah, he, he, he's the old lady on the playground that won't let you climb up the slide the wrong way. Right? He's, he's, he's out to beat you on the head when you don't do exactly things right. See, you all relate to that, don't you? I had, I had one of those ladies in school. You know, yeah, I was a rebellious little bugger. But, but the whole point is, 
The whole point is we reduce God to the celestial scorekeeper. He's up there checking things off, you know. Oh, skirt's too low. Check there, you know. Oh, see the shoulder. Two check marks. You know, and you live this entire life under this demerit system. And I remember talking to an Orthodox Jew that worked with me at, uh, at Moen. And I asked him, I said, are you really telling me that God's up there keeping score? And he said, of course he is. He wouldn't come over to my house because I might serve some food cut with a knife that may have touched at some point in its past pork, which would have made him unclean. Yeah, because you, you dare not serve meat with milk. Yeah. And, and, and see, what we've done, look what we've done here. We've, we've reduced God to some petty person up there, some stern taskmaster, that all he's doing is trying to keep score of a violation of minute little minutiae. That's all he is. There you are. We've done that. We have. So that we can make ourselves feel better thinking that if we stay within the parameters of our rule book. And see, that's what the Pharisees did. See, they created a rule book that they could keep. But the, I mean, the true intent of the law was to show us yeah. how holy God is and how sinful we are. If but they missed not, that. It was, not a, it was not a guideline. It was not a goal for us. Right. Because of an impossible goal. But see, what you do, what the Pharisees did, and they were very good at that, is they created rules that they could keep. Then they patted themselves on the back over their holiness. And their rules were basically only for themselves, not right. for the Jewish community. Well, the Baptist churches have done a pretty good job, too. I mean, I grew up in a Baptist church, and we had our own rule book. And there are other, you know, you go to a different church here. The point is this. The point is on all of this is, is what we see here. In these statements, although they're partially true, they're, they're, they're focusing in on the law code. Now, we don't want to forget that God does have certain laws, right? There are certain things that God has said you're not to do. We're not disputing that. But that's not the only component of sin. That's not just what sin is. Sin is much broader than the violation of a single law. And you're, we're going to see that. And the problem is when you, when you reduce sin to only the violation of laws, then you've got to find out, well, which set of rules are you keeping? But then when you, if you are at the great way from the judgment and all your sins are revealed, where did that record come from? That record came from the violation of God's law and we're going to see here His character. We're going to see that although th- there, is, there is a component of the definition of sin that, that relates to the violation of the laws of God, commandments of God, the real problem with sin is not the violation of a commandment. It's the violation of our relationship with God. And the violation of the relationship leads to the violation of the commandments and not the other way around. That's what I'm trying to get at. Sin is more than just, oh, I broke this rule. Now, it can be the breaking of a rule, Right? But that's not all. Of, that's not what it completely is, because everybody has different 
sets of rules. I go visit my Mormon friends and, you know, if I have a cup of coffee, that's horrid that, that I would dare drink caffeine. Where did that come up with? Well, Joseph Smith thought it would be a cool thing to not drink caffeine. So that's now a law in their church. And if you do that, you're sinning in their view. And uh, that's not a good thing if you drink caffeine. You can drink Diet Coke, but not caffeine. Don't ask me how that works. Um, Buswell, another theologian, sin made defined ultimately as anything in the creature which is not expressed or which is contrary to the holy character of the Creator. That's getting a lot closer. Because it's talking about the character of God, His nature, what God is. And really, when we look at sin, sin is the violation of God's nature, God's character. We sin when we do things that are contrary to the nature of God. Of God, that, That's what sin is. That includes the violation of God's moral law, but it's beyond just the, the legal code that God has given us in the Scripture. Because there's a lot of rules. For example, the Bible doesn't say, Thou shalt not take marijuana, does it? It doesn't say that. Then why would it be a sin? See, if, if, if all you do is have the legal code, then God's got to expand the legal code, right? That's what, that's what lawyers do, you know. I mean, 200 years ago, could I violate the speed limit on the interstate? There's no cars. There's no interstate. There's no, how can I violate a law that doesn't exist yet? But the law changes over time. And so what you've done is you've created a law that changes over time. It's different in different ages. And that's not what sin really is. Um, Lewis Ferry Schaefer, no relation to me, unless you go back to Noah, um, the founder of Dallas Theological Seminary. He's written a systematic theology. He says, Sin is a restless unwillingness on the part of the creature to abide in the sphere in which the infinite creator by ultimate wisdom placed him. Um, in other words, God created you to live in a certain sphere, a certain realm of existence, and you don't want to live inside that. You want to live outside the boundaries of that. Now, that talks a little bit about the character of God, but it's still more on the legal code side, right? God created you to do certain things, live certain ways, think certain ways, and you don't want to do that, and that's sin. It's the violation of a code, again. It's a violation of legal things. And um, I think they're hitting around this a little bit. Uh, Sproul just said, sin is cosmic treason. R.C. Sproul. Cosmic treason. What is that? Um, disobedience to the Creator. It's uh, telling God, the ruler of the universe, no. Um, that's cosmic treason, he, he said. The Westminster Catechism, um, answer number 14, what is sin? Sin is any one of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. What is it again? What's the emphasis there? The law of God. So sin is... A lack of conformity, in other words, I don't conform to the law of God or I transgress the law of God. I violate the law of God. But then the question is, well, what is the law of God? And there are some components of that law that are very obvious. Thou shalt not kill, murder, steal, that kind of stuff. There are other parts of that that are very fuzzy. Am I allowed to have a cigar after dinner? Am I allowed to have a... Uh, a glass of wine with my spaghetti. 
Um, now there's some churches that say absolutely not. Sort of the Lord. I, I get sort of Lord publisher for nothing. Just to, it's a hyper fundamentalist newspaper, and uh, they're all up in arms because uh, a college came out and didn't come right out and say that you're not allowed to drink alcohol at all. I mean, they're saying if you drink any drop of alcohol, you're sinning. Um, where does it say that in the Bible? Does it say that in the Bible? It says you're not allowed to be drunk, but it doesn't say no alcohol at all. But see, they, have a, they know better than God. See, they've got a better standard than God. And see, what had happened, when you, start, when you start looking at this from the legal code point of view, then you start getting things mixed up. Because there are certain things that where you and God agree on, yes, you're not to violate that. But then, what about those things that God hasn't said something about? We create our own laws which may or may not be what God says, right? In fact, that's what Christ said. He said, you violate the commandment of God by not honoring your parents. Remember when he was going through the fields? and He said, well, you're violating laws. Well, you guys violate the law. You break God's law by creating a law that is not what God intended at all. And so what happens then is you come up, when, when you do this, you come up with an amalgamation of things that God said and things that you've said. Rules that you've made. God didn't say you're not allowed to drink alcohol. God said don't be drunk. But see, we, we know better than that. We'll just say you're not allowed to drink alcohol at all. And if you do, it's a sin. Well, what gives you the right to define what sin is? We don't have the right to define sin. God defines what sin is. We're not the definition of that. So, this is my... I, I'm not with the great theologians. I just had to toss that in there. This is me. This is my sort of definition a sin is any action, thought, or attitude that is contrary to the character of God. It's to violate our relationship with Him. And this is what hit me a long time ago, that sin, sin is not the violation of some legal code, necessarily. Note what I said, necessarily. Sin is the violation of my relationship with God. Sin is me telling God, I have a better idea than you do about this. I don't trust you. Yeah, I know you said that, but I don't, I don't really believe that, God. I don't believe you're telling me the truth on that. I have, I have a better idea. Isn't that what Eve said? Yeah, God said, but... And that's what Satan did. God's holding out on you. You need to go to God. You need to, you need to be God. He doesn't want you to be like Him. He doesn't want any competition, so... And I, I sin when I violate my relationship with God. Now, when you start looking at that, you have to, you know, you say, well, that's an awful lot harder, right? Where's the rule? I just, get, just give me the rule. Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. And, and, and in, in essence, God is saying, um, no, in this area, I'm not going to give you a rule. What, what do you think you should do? Well, that's no help, God. God, can I go see this movie at the movie theater? And we're wanting God to say yes or no, aren't we? That's what we really want, yes or no. Now, if you're a legalist, you say, well, no, of course not. You're not allowed to go see it at the movie theater. Wait till it comes out on TV. Um, what will God say? God would probably say, well, why do you want to go see that? Why do you want to go see that? Why do you want to do that thing? What, what, why? I don't like that because I've got to think now. Why do I want to go 
And you know what? What happens is when you start approaching it that way, you get in this frame of mind and say, you know, I don't want to go see that particular movie because, you know, it's really not, it really doesn't contribute to my spiritual life. It really doesn't help me spiritually. And maybe I better not see that one. Maybe I better not involve myself in that movie. And what you find yourself doing when you begin to start thinking like this, you're saying, I have this relationship with God that is vibrant, that is important to me, and I don't want to do anything that causes him to feel sad. To I don't want to violate my relationship with him. I don't want to do something that brings sorrow to his heart. And that includes all the moral law, right? Of course it does. But it goes beyond that, doesn't it? And see, that's what Christ was saying. He says, you know, guys, you've heard it said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, that's the, that's the Ten Commandments, right? You're not allowed to commit adultery. But let me tell you, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Where does adultery occur? In the action? It's in the heart. It's in the heart. Um, you've heard it said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. Yeah, that, you're not supposed to kill somebody. That's a good thing. You're not supposed to murder. But let me tell you that if you hate somebody, that's murdering them. Now, Christ is not redefining the law here in the Sermon on the Mount. That's not a redefinition. That is a clarification. You understand the difference? God is not redefining, or Christ is not redefining the law. He is clarifying what God's original intention was. The original intention was not merely the external act. The intention was the heart attitude, which results in an external act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, that's where the Pharisees and the scribes missed it, because they had the external actions, but the heart was all fouled up. I'll tell you something. If there's a movie I should not see in a movie theater, I should not see it on the video, I should not see it on a DVD, I shouldn't see it when the television version comes out. I shouldn't see it, period. The venue is not the issue. The content is. And that's why we need to watch it. I don't want to violate my relationship with God. And now let me tell you something that's really heretical. That means that there are certain things then that I cannot do that you may be able to do. Follow? What I'm getting at. All right. Now, now you're saying, well, you mean God's God's laws is 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 just jello. You know, there's nothing definitive about. It. No, there's certain things that are definitive about the law of God. We know that. But what does Romans say to him that? Well, Romans says to him that knoweth the good doeth not to him it is sin. 
And also, sin is the violation of your conscience. You don't want to violate your conscience. All right? Um, a good example of this was many years ago, the movie Titanic that came out. All right? Well, yeah, one spot in there that no Christian has business watching. But yet, everybody I ran into said, oh, it's a great movie, you need to sit down and watch this thing. Well, I'd already knew from the previous previews that, you know, there's a certain spot you don't want to be there. And so, my neighbors came over and wanted to watch Titanic at my house. They're unbelievers. And uh, so I made sure I wasn't around when that quick scene came in. I was just not there. I didn't have anything to do with it. But um, that's something I couldn't watch. But now some of you in here could watch it. I wouldn't be a bother to you. To me it was. I couldn't expose myself to that. The point is you need to know yourself. That's one of the things we're going to understand. You need to know yourself, your weaknesses. And there are certain things that you may be able to do that others can't because it's a violation of their conscience or because it causes them to think and act in a way contrary to that which they should. But that's when we get into the, um, you know, when it comes to the Bible, it, there's right or wrong, it's black or white, and now we're making choices. Well, it's okay for you, but it's not okay for me. Mm-hmm. The issues I get in with my kids. Well, everybody's doing it, or this is what, but that doesn't make it right. Right. Like, even though it was, may not bother them, it doesn't make it right for them. What you did was okay, but what they did wasn't okay just because they, they were okay with it. To some extent, well, really, really what this boils down to a lot of, is that men and women see life differently. Right? There are certain things that you can look at that doesn't bother you that if I look at, I have problems. Yeah. It's not sin for you, it's sin for me. Because it causes me to think in a way that I shouldn't be thinking. Right, but you take um, a young teenage girl watching that, leaving them the way they think that's okay. And that would be wrong. That's probably a bad analogy that I use, but I was trying to... You see what I'm trying to get at here, the, the point I'm trying to make. Maybe that was a bad analogy to use. The point is there are certain things that you could see that would not cause you to sin or stumble. If I saw the same things, it would cause me to sin and stumble. Okay? And so what I need to do is I need to know myself and avoid those things because I don't want to violate God's character. I don't want to bring displeasure to God. I don't want to not please God. I want to do those things that make Him happy. And in my case, I can't do that. You can, I can't. And there are some things that I can do that you can't do because it would cause you to respond in a in not a good way. Yeah? Um, I know if you said that they wanted to watch it at your house and put it on at your house and you weren't there. Right. I wasn't in the... I didn't watch that particular okay. scene. Um, I have people that tell me that, okay, this, as a believer, this is your house. Mm-hmm. And the people who come into your house need to conform to your beliefs. You can't allow, you know, like... Yeah, so and... and they smoke. Okay, yeah. Somebody comes to your house and um, they go, you know, well, I don't want mm-hmm. in the house, but, you know, they want to smoke. Oh, okay, I'll go outside and smoke. And, I, and I'm supposed to say, you know, because, see, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and because of my beliefs, I don't allow that on my property. Mm-hmm. I made a value judgment at that point. And the value judgment at that point is I'm trying to reach this family. Um, I'm not going to expose myself to that. 
But they're sinners. What are they supposed to do? All right. So, so that comes... I mean, Christ ate with the tax collectors and the publicans and the sinners, the bad people, the riffraff. Now, the Pharisees dare not even go near them because they would be ceremonially unclean. But Christ ate with them. But what I'm saying is that I had to make a conscious decision. I had to think through implications. It wasn't black and white, yes, no, up, down. I, I, had, I had to make a decision. Looking back, may have I made another decision? Possibly. You see what I'm... Yeah. I mean, I just... We like rules. Yeah. We like rules. We like... You know, like, you know, making them uncomfortable. They don't want... Then they, you know, then they look at me like, oh... Well, I had a family reunion at my house one year, and um, some people came from Tennessee, and they wanted to know if they could drink their beer. Well, they know I don't drink, but if they want to drink a beer at my house, that's fine. I'm not going to drink it. But I'm not going to say, no, you can't, to them. You know, and I just made a value judgment at that point. They know what my stand is. It's no secret to them. They know where I, I stand on that. But, 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 and I think Christ did, you know, Christ did not go around and say, I can't come to your house because, you know, you're going to have a prostitute over. I'm not going to be there today. I mean, good night. He would, he would have to isolate himself from all of humanity. All right? So, that, that's why I'm saying that there's no hard and fast rules. You've got to think through, would this please God or not? You've got to think through that. Sometimes you may come up with the wrong answer, but you're thinking through it. It's not just, oh, I've got a set of rules that I've I got to keep and, and check them off. Well, and... They know me. Yeah. Yeah. No, because that's what the Pharisees did. You know, well, we're better than you. You need to be. You need to be. You need to be a testimony and be a witness, and understand that what are sinners supposed to do? Sin. So when I go out and eat lunch with the guys at, at work and one of them orders a beer, I don't freak out and flip out and leave the table and go, that's what they're, you know, that's their life. Alright? I don't have to do that. They know where I stand. It's no secret to them. Um, and that's what Christ did, too. I mean, Christ could hang around sinners but not be a sinner. Because you, know, you, you realize every person Christ hung around with was worse than he was. Alright? Well, we had a German exchange student stay with us. And I told her when she came in, I said, look, we go to church on Sunday. You know, we'll be, every Sunday we're going to be going to church. And we'd like to invite you along. You don't have to go. She was an atheist. You don't have to go. I'm not going to make you go to church with us. Um, I think you might like it. You might enjoy the music. You might enjoy the, you know, connecting up and being friends. And they're, they're told, and they're exchange program that that's what people in America do they go to church and that's a good way to connect with the culture because that's what they're here for so she decided to come and connect up and you know four months later she becomes a Christian but I never I never told her you have to go to church you have to be here now I know another family that had an exchange student they made her come to church and she didn't want to come and they made and, and finally she left them and went somewhere else because they just could not Adapt to the fact that, well, she doesn't want to go to church. Okay, fine. 
You know, um, and and when she and when when she was with us, she knew how Donna and I lived our life. She knew how I, I treated Donna and how Donna treated me. And uh, it was interesting when she went back to Germany. She told all her friends about where she stayed. You know, you know how females do. You know, they got to tell where all this stuff. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah, see, but they, yeah, I am brave. Um, but I'm right. Um, but she went back. She told all her friends. And she said, I was talking to her on the phone. She said, yeah, it was really interesting. So when I was telling them about you and Donna and all that, they were just really amazed that you stayed with Donna, even with her handicaps. They, they don't understand why you would stay married to her. And it's like, well, why wouldn't I? Well, see, to me, it's why wouldn't I? But how's the world look at it? You know, well, you know, they, they look at it differently. The, the, we're getting off a little track here, but, but the point is this. Think of sin not as violating a code of conduct. It's violating a relationship with God. Okay? God is holy. God is pure. Okay? God, look at the Trinity. How does the Trinity treat themselves, treat each other? Well, God the Father's greatest joy is to honor the Son the Holy Spirit. Why did Christ, when Christ came to earth, what did he say? I came not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And the Father exalts the Son, and the Son exalts the Father, and the Holy Spirit. You don't see the members of the Trinity whining about how their needs aren't being met by the other two. There's no complaining in the Trinity. The, the Trinity is, is three person, and we don't understand this, don't try to figure it out. God is one, but there are three distinct personalities, and yet each member of the Trinity is totally consumed with the health and the well-being and the joy of the other two. All right, there, there's no selfishness in there. And really, that's what heaven is. Think about what heaven is. Heaven is where you're totally consumed with everyone else and not you, not your needs. Wait a minute, it's my turn to be around the throne for a while. You've been there long enough. Um, there's none of that stuff. And we violate, we, we sin when we violate God's character, God's nature. So let's think about this for a minute here. Um, Terry talked about the Ten Commandments. Let's go back and look at the Ten Commandments. Well, what's the first commandment? Anybody know what the first one is? They have no other gods before me. We look at that and say, oh, that's a rule. That's a rule. Not any other gods before me. Oh, let's think, let's twist that around. If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Which is the first and greatest commandment. Are you going to have anything more important than Him? No. No. If I love God, He's first. He's not second, He's not third, He's not fourth, He's first. In the same sense, if, if I love my wife, if I really truly love Donna, I'm not going to have some other woman on the side, right? Because I love her. She's number one. What's God saying? God's saying, if you love me, you're not going to put other things ahead of me. In my relationship with you, you're not going to have other things more important than me. You following what's going on here a little bit? If I love God, He's number one, not 
two, three, four, five, and six. He's the f- yeah, you're going to ask? Can I read Yeah, go ahead. Romans 14, 5 through 8. One man regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself. And not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord. That's an excellent passage because what it's saying, what Paul is saying there, is that, and this is in the context of the the early church where you have some that are Jews and some that are Gentiles. So you know the Jews, they, they, they observe Sabbath. It's okay. You observe Sunday. That's okay too. Whichever you're convinced of in your own heart, do that. And don't go around saying, well, you didn't observe the same day I did, therefore you're sinning. Or you didn't eat the same thing I ate, you're sinning. All right? I may think eating tofu is sinful. That's okay. I won't eat it. I don't think I've ever had tofu. Other thing, tofu is a sin if you don't eat it. All right? So, yeah. So, so the whole thing here is th- there is this cognitive component. But it goes back to your hard attitude. It goes back to why are you doing this? Why, why am I doing this thing why do I believe acting this way is right commandment one if you love God with all your heart soul mind and strength you're not going to have other gods before him okay take smoking for example you're not a Christian you Mm -hmm. smoke you're a Christian and in your eyes it's okay for them okay because they smoke but as they become a Christian and they grow in their faith something that they're consciously aware of and they know that they want to work on. So they quit smoking. Mm-hmm. Okay? So in God's eyes, or how, I, how I'm getting from you, is it was okay then, but it's not okay now. So now it's a violation of their conscience. And their relationship. And their relationship with God as you grow, right? We all violate our conscience to some extent. No, no, no. I mean, it's just on the smoking then it's okay. Then it's okay. Yeah, where, does the, where in the Bible does it say thou shalt not smoke? Well, I'm just using that for an example. And by the way, yeah. And by extension, what's worse, smoking or filling your body with huge amounts of fat and dying of heart disease? Well, all of that. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, yeah you know, you, you, it goes back to thinking. That's all I'm trying to get at. It goes back to your mind. And we, we get a headache when we think about that because we don't want to think along those terms. But it was still wrong back then. Because now what we're telling people... No. What, what we're saying to people is... No, I'm not saying it was wrong back then. I'm not saying it was wrong back then. I'm not. The Bible, it's not the violation of any law in the Bible thou shalt not smoke cigarettes. Okay, say steal. You're stealing... That's different because God has a law on that. God's spoken. We're talking about the gray areas. We're talking about the gray areas. We're talking about the areas that God doesn't talk about. You've got to principalize them. And when you principalize them, it comes back to why are you doing that? Why? Why is it that you want to do that? Are you being convicted to quit? Yeah, maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you to quit. Well, quit. Maybe not. All right. 
And, and part of that is spiritual growth, is it not? Well, are there certain things you can do now that you couldn't do when you were two years old? Why? You've grown up, hopefully. I mean, there was a day when you, you, know, you had a bedtime. You had to be in bed at 8 o'clock or whatever. You know, I can go to bed anytime I want. The problem is I've got to get up at 7 and go to work the next day. You know? I can go to bed at 6 o'clock if I want to in the morning, but I've got to work the next day. It's no longer a law. It's a principle now. That, that's what we're working towards here. Right. They may not they might not profit you. And as you grow in your Christian life and I've, I've this has happened to me, folks, as I've grown in my Christian life, there are certain things I don't do now that I used to do. Because I've grown. My desires change, my wants change. I I'm seeing things differently as I get older. You know, I don't like using that. Yeah. I would suggest as as I've grown in my Christian walk that when I encounter moments of temptation, for me the Holy Spirit is immediate. Yeah. I know what's right or wrong. Now for my sin nature, do I try to rationalize what I want to do? Most certainly. Yep. We do. But I think if you want you know, you know we, we talk about our conscience, I submit you the conscience of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and and and, that, and the conscience is is programmed by your knowledge of the Word of God by time in the Word of God by your your growth. There are certain things I don't... Again, there are certain shows I will no longer watch that I used to watch and not think anything of. Now I have no desire to watch them. I don't need them. That's why it's so fascinating with Eve and Satan. I mean, Eve imposed a legalistic twist on it. Mm-hmm. She added to what God yeah. said, right? You eat it, not, we didn't even touch it. Right. God didn't say anything about the touch no, part. Right. Yeah, the touch. But then Satan infused a truth taken out of context. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll know the difference between good and evil. Well, he was right. It was taken out of context. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What does the covet mean? We're going to get to that, but covet means to want something that someone else has. Oh. To want what they have. And. Yeah, keeping up with the Joneses. Um, commandment number two, not make any graven image, right? What does that mean, to make a graven image? Well, if you understand what, what God is saying there, God is saying, you can love me, but have a false view of who I am, right? Because you can make something that is not really me. And that's what, the fair, that's what the Israelites did. When Moses was up on the mount, they made the golden calf and said, this is the God which brought you out of Egypt. Right? God made a calf. That's viola- I'm violating God by thinking of God in terms other than what He is. Because the idea of making a graven image is I'm reducing God to something tangible. God is not reducible to an image. He's not reducible to something tangible. And that's why when we, when we first started the doctrines class, we started with the doctrine of God. You don't, you, your vision of God is not what you think God is. It's what God said He is. Whether you like that or not, God defines what He is like. And I have to go with what God says He is like, not with what I want God to be like. And what we do is we create a God that we want Him to be like. They ground it up and made the Israelites eat it and they got sick. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, what's the next commandment? It's commandment number three. I've got three and four mixed up. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What is God saying there? But what's behind it? What's the idea behind it? Yeah, he rested. Yeah, on what? What does God basically say? If you love me, what are you going to do? You're going to spend some time with me. If I love my wife, I'm going to take time off to be with her. To be with her. Just do stuff. We cleaned up the garage yesterday together. She had a fall. She's the one that cleans out our. She's the one that cleans out our drawers every other week. You realize that? I, it's like, okay, where's the silverware this week? That one or that one? I'm always got them backwards. Um, but the whole point is, get stuff together. If you love God, what are you going to do? You're going to spend time with God. The day is not relevant. Now, in the old covenant, God set aside the Sabbath day nationally for Israel. All of God, and by the way, that extends beyond just Sunday, doesn't it? Right? People say, well, you know, I don't do any work on Sunday. But they go home, watch TV, watch sports, watch this, watch that. They don't spend any time with God. That's not the point. The point is, if you love God, what are you going to do? You're going to spend, right? You spend time with people that you love. If you love someone, you want to spend time with them. If you see two people fall in love, he wants to be with her and she wants to be with him. That's normal. That's part of it. Um, you want to be with God. And, and then... Uh, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does that mean? Well, what is the Hebrew concept for name? It's all that the person is. So if I love God, I'm not going to presume on His character. It's not the speech I use, although that could be part of it. It's not what vocabulary I use. Am I presuming on the nature of God? You take God's name in vain when you say, well, it doesn't matter if I sin because He'll forgive me anyways. That's presuming on the nature of God. You know, it's like me saying, well, you know, I know this is going to make Donna mad, but, you know, she'll forgive me anyways because she likes me, so I'm going to do it anyways. Even though it makes her mad, I'm going to do this. Violation of a relationship. That's what it is. And then God says, honor your father and mother. If you love God, you're going to honor those that God has placed over you, the, the family that God has given you. You're going to want to honor your parents. And see, that's what the Pharisees done. They had violated that honor. They said, well, we can come with some legal way to get around taking care of our parents by devoting all of our money to God and our parents are just out on their own. See, in those days, you didn't have rest homes. The children cared for the parents. And what they did is they got around that. They were able to bypass that. And God is saying, and Jesus told them, said, you're violating the law of God by not taking care of your parents. God doesn't need your money. God said you need to take care of your parents. That's part of your responsibility. If you love me, you're going to love whom I love and you're going to respect whom I respect. You're going to respect your parents. Thou shalt not kill. That's violate. If I kill you, that's, that's, that's sort of a violation of a relationship right there, isn't it? The whole point is this, folks, and, and we're out of time here, but the whole point is this. When you look at the Ten Commandments, we see them most of the time in terms of laws, rules, codes, regulations. Think of them as in terms of relationship. If I love God, I'm going to love whom God loves, right? 
So I'm going to love that which God created. I'm going to love my fellow man because God loves them. And because God loves them, God's, I'm not going to kill them. I'm not going to steal from them. I'm not going to want what they want. I'm not going to bear false witness against them. I'm not going to lie to them. I'm going to do what God wants me to do because it's a relationship. It's the, I want to please Him. I want to bring Him joy. And it's nothing more than you know, what I try to do with my wife. I love my wife. So my joy is to do things that make her happy. As crazy as they may be. Like buying her a little bubble machine that she can blow bubbles with. She has a ball blowing bubbles on the back porch. And we went to Cracker Barrel and they had a little bubble gum. You know, you put a bubble, yeah, gun, you put a little battery in it, blows these bubbles. She, had ball, she spends more time with that. She wears out batteries right and left. And it brings her joy. So if I love her, I'm going to do those things that bring her joy. I don't need to go home and look on my, and I said this before, on my refrigerator and say, Thou shalt not hit Donna. I don't need that rule. Why don't I need that rule? I love her. I'm not going to hit her. And that's what it, when you get to the point where you see sin, it's not the violation of some legal code but the violation of a relationship with God, a vibrant, healthy, meaningful relationship, you will have made a great stride forward in your spiritual life. Sin is not the violation of a code. It's the violation of a relationship. It's telling God, I don't trust you. I don't think you have the, my best interests at heart. I have a better way. That's what sin is. It's a violation of a relationship. And what God has done through Jesus Christ and through redemption is someday that relationship is going to be restored. And you're going to spend eternity in heaven where you will not violate and be able to violate your relationship with God. That's a cool thing. To not be able to follow it up. Making any sense? Alright. So, um, we got through a couple slides here. Um, um, by the way, next week, why don't, you, why don't you do this? Next week, every day for the next seven days till next week, why don't you read Psalm 15? Yeah, read Psalm 15. In fact, memorize Psalm 15. It's a little short one. Um, but Psalm 15 is really it's one of my favorite psalms. and I'm, I've been bugging the pastor, somebody to preach on it. Um, but basically what Psalm 15 is, who, who does God hang around with? Who do you hang around with? Generally, who do you hang around with? People like you or unlike you? Yeah. So if you want to have God hang around with you, you need to be like God. And what is God like? Well, Psalm 15 will tell you about that. So let's uh, close in prayer. Father, thanks so much for this day you've granted to us and help us to ponder what we've talked about. Help us to see that our relationship with you, Father, is the most important thing in our lives. And that when we sin, we're not merely violating a code of ethics that you've given us. We're violating our relationship with you. We're basically telling you that we have a better idea. We know better than you do. And that you, we, don't, we don't trust you to do the right thing for us. And we don't trust you to have our best interests at heart. Help us to ponder these truths. And bring us back safe next week in Christ's name. Amen.